Hey, everyone, if you love combat sports, Kyokushin karate, MMA, boxing, all the other sports, such as ice hockey and the and like say football, basketball, you name it. Make sure to hit the like, share, subscribe, comment button to the Drew Spirian show. It's on all platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, probably Google Podcasts. I have it listed on there, too. And we are a community that is constantly growing. Today's guest is one that I've been seeking out for a very long time. I came across this page in the beginning of 2021 when I met the KRT boys, uh, Sensei Wesley Jensen and Sensei Darren Stringer. And I'd been wanting to get him on. We had a lot of back and forth. Timing is never right. But then again, that's how it is when you're in this podcast game. But finally, we found a day. We made it happen. He's the one, the only senpai, Jonas Rosine, also known as Young Dolph Lundgren, as I like to call it. <laughs> Welcome to the Drew Spirience, uh, Jonas. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. It was a big honor to have you on. I've been, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Sweden. And, you know, Sweden is, a, is such a beautiful country because you could have chosen ice hockey, bandy, football, which we call soccer here, uh, maybe rugby, skiing, and you settled on martial arts, which Dolph Lundgren settled on. So what led to choosing martial arts aside from all the other choices you had for uh, for a sports career or hobby so, so yeah hobby uh, uh, <laughs> the biggest influence is my father really mm-hmm. uh, my father trained Yukshin when he was younger and he had a hiatus or like a at the break and uh, one of our like family friends uh, her daughter or their daughter trained Yukshin under my old Xi'an. And uh, this Xi'an, Xi'an Robert, uh, is a good friend of my father's. So he, they introduced me, like the, the daughter of my friend's family and my father to, to Kukshin. And uh, I've, I've never looked back. <laughs> I was seven years old, I remember. And since then, I think, like I, I've, I've been to vac- vacation a few times, but other than that, I've never like said no to training. Like when I was young, everything is, it was always, I remember I was maybe nine or 10. We were out in the, in the yard and playing with my, my friends. And my, my father told me like, uh, Jonas, I have to go to training now, but I'll, I'll, I'll catch you later. Like he didn't want to disturb me because he thought I was playing with my friends. And I remember telling him like, no, no, no. Is it training now? Oh, I forgot. Oh, I have to get my things and go training. So for me, like I've, I really love training. Like that's my main hobby. Like mm-hmm. competing for me, it's something that motivates me and something that I enjoy doing. Maybe not during competition because I get so nervous, but uh, before and after. But training for me, it's really the big thing. I really love training. <laughs> do you feel it? Do you feel it is a therapy to help you deal with whatever is going on outside of the of the dojo? Uh, sometimes, yes, of course, but. For me, the dojo now is, is a lot of responsibilities. I, I teach and I, I train mm-hmm. myself and all, all of this. So for me, like therapy is more going to the gym or out running when I can be alone in my thoughts. And mm-hmm. there, there, there's no like, no responsibilities of me behaving and doing in a certain way. So mm-hmm. running and, and going to the gym is, is more therapeutic right now when I'm teaching the classes and everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really awesome to hear. And now you did say that your father was what got you into karate, but did you have any outside influences like in the movies or uh, pro fighters, like in other sport, other forms of combat sports that motivated you to take up martial arts? Not taking up martial arts. I was only seven. And Mm -hmm. uh, at that time, not that I remember. Uh, like later in life, of course, I had like different people I looked up to. Uh, one of them being Sean uh, Robert's son, Kevin. He was like the biggest influence on me. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know him, Kevin Wicklund. Uh, he placed third, I think, at the uh, Rengo Kai uh, World Championships a few years back. So he was a big influence for me when I was young. Otherwise, it's like other combat sports athletes. Like, like for instance, you're from Canada. You're St. Pierre, of course. Mm-hmm. Like how he handles himself how he trained, like his, his attitude to training, to making such professional, you know, like MMA in the early days, it was the Wild West. And he really was the first, in my opinion, and how I view it to re- really make it like a, like a professional sport and how he seeked out help from, from different trainers and different outlooks. And uh, I, I learned a lot from him and uh, I've tried to copy his style with going uh, after the yeah. experts in other fields. 
Yeah, and it's funny you say Wild West because Sweden did never really had could never really had MMA until Alexander Gustafsson came on the scene in 2009. So yeah. it seems like sweet. It seems like MMA in Sweden. Yes, MMA existed in combat sports. It has been very big in Europe, but Sweden specifically, when Alex came up in 2009, did that lead to you feel a boom in combat sports in general, whether it was karate, taekwondo, wrestling, BJJ, boxing? Um. It's a good question uh, and it's difficult for me to answer because I was pretty young at the time mm -hmm. but uh, like like being a martial artist in Sweden is like I'm, I'm guessing it's the same in the whole western world it's like you're a bit strange in people's eyes and people in, in Sweden have a like in the 70s 80s early 90s karate was really big in Sweden and just as MMA is big right now martial arts when they're big and they're commercial they attract uh, maybe people that are in, in it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think this legacy lives, lives on a little bit in Sweden. Like the, the newspapers used to write, like, "Oh, karate guy beating someone up on in the streets," and they they associate, you know, gangsters in the street with karate. And it's like, it's 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 not like that anymore. But the older generation for them, it's still a little bit, you know, yeah. They don't mm -hmm. have a positive view of the sport, and now with MMA. The, the, there's more like acceptance of the sporting aspects of it, of course, mm -hmm. but still the, the older generation, they, they, they see it as barbaric and, you know, like, like the debate was in North America, I guess, 10 years ago, mm -hmm. like we're, we're, we're 10 years behind uh, at least mm -hmm. in, in public opinion about it. Mm -hmm. But it's good right now. We have Hamzat Shemaev, you know. Yeah, yeah he's, he's my favorite, man. Yo, I love... It took me a while to get used to him, but I yeah. love him, man. Like I like yeah. I love... When I see that Swedish flag, I was like, ah, oh, Sweden's got a bad <laughs> mofo now. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, in my opinion, the most of the work in, in his career is from Chechnya. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like the wrestling and everything. But uh, Andreas Michael and the guys at All-Star, I, I don't know them. Of course, I don't know them, but what what I see and what I hear is that they're developing a good team, and I think there's a lot of MMA. In my time, we have a team. Uh, actually, the head coach of this MMA team, he he used to train under my old Chian, Kukshin, but now he's he's not. He doesn't yeah. have anything to do with Kukshin, but anyway, he 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 has a big MMA gym here, and there's a like a big local scene in Sweden for MMA. So I think we will develop new people. Yeah. yeah, shout out to All-Stars because it's Andreas Michael and Madi Shamus. And um, Madi is like friends with uh, one of my friends who I've had on my show, uh, Nima Safapur, who manages Gustafsson, who manages uh, Gegard Mousasi in the Netherlands, Penny Kianzad, who's from Sweden. Yeah. So yeah. shout out. Yeah, Sweden is becoming, as you said, it's it was 10 years behind, as the people would say, but they're slowly catching up too. So it, there's kind of like they were here before, but now it's like slowly coming to that middle point where it's like okay we're we're somewhere where we can say we're equal yeah and also i think one, one of the advantages of being in sweden is we are quite a small country and in my opinion we have a good tradition of sports like mm. in general like you discussed about earlier so many sports we had success in even though we're a small country and uh, like to build on this into a new sport is not too difficult for us we have the the framework and you just have to adopt the new skills and the new new system and we can adopt it to a new sport so yeah I, I i think we will never have like many stars but we will have some all the time in mma maybe not boxing we don't have the tradition anymore wrestling we're we're, we're going on the up and up but we're still a little bit behind eastern europe and in my my humble opinion i think we're on the up and up in, in kukshin as well Nice. Also ice hockey too. Cause ice hockey it's cause I used to love hockey before martial arts and not many people know that. So I like to really put it out there. Like I used to play hockey. I, I was terrible at ice. So I played deck hockey, which is on the on the floor. Cause I couldn't skate. But when I watched it and I always felt that Sweden was like a poor man's Canada. And I say that with, with all the respect there is because Sweden was always there. They're always meddling. They're always, they had, they, I always felt they were like Canada's northern brother. And then you have the Finns who are like the crazy uncle because the Finns play a very, um, I'm not, I don't know 
if you follow ice hockey, but there's the terms we like to use. Okay, good. So we like to say in Canada, this, the Finns are chippy. They play an in-your-face kind of game, man-to-man. They stick to you like a fly. And then there was um, in Canada and the U.S. and Sweden. Like I, I always used to say first, I kind of had a phase where it's like, yeah, I like Finland because I like their style. But then over time, it's like, you know what? I kind of like Sweden more because they've had more superstars like Peter Forsberg, um, Daniel Alfredson, Henrik Lundqvist. Mika Zibanejad right now, half Iranian, because I'm half Iranian, so I love that. So I've always loved Mika Zibanejad He's because uh, he's half Iranian. And speaking of ice hockey and Mika Zibanejad, there's a lot of Iranians in Sweden that just migrate. Like, what, 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 what are you guys doing to attract all the Iranians to Sweden? I think there's a historic reason for this that I'm not <laughs> capable of answering. But I'm guessing during some part of Iranian history, we had close ties to them. Mm-hmm. Like we we we're pretty known for accepting a lot of immigrants, like from Syria now in 2015, now from Ukraine. Like it has its ups and downs, of course, <laughs> accepting a lot of the refugees. But uh, yeah, we, we through through the years we had the Yugoslavians, we had the Iranians, we had the Iraqis, the Syrians, and now the Ukrainians. We we mm-hmm. they, they we have a like we talked about before we started recording, we're a socialist country. Like, mm-hmm. it, of course, it's not socialist, like, like Marxist, but it's, it's, we have a pretty developed welfare system and yes. everything. And it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good system to start in. I think people see from the outside. Now it's a little bit maybe maxed out, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, I think pe- people from around the world, they, they, they see Sweden as a state where you can, you know, come and you, you have an opportunity to, to mm-hmm. develop and flourish. Very true. And then taking it back to ice hockey. So you said you follow it. Did you have any, um, we have some, ve- there's some very good talent. Thanks to your country. That's in the NHL that I love watching such as Lucas Raymond and who plays yeah. for the Red Wings. But Mika Zibanejad, as I said, is my favorite. There's a few others such as, uh, I mean, Lucas I can't. Yes. 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 The, probably the best playmaker of the modern era, the best passer. Yeah. yeah. And he, he, he's from like, really from my town is maybe 15 minutes away with car where, where he's from. And mm-hmm. uh, he's a big star here. And we, we have, I don't know, uh, I guess you don't know our, our, our hockey teams, but here in Sweden, but we're, we're pretty famous. We're not like in Unkelsvik where Peter Forsberg is from. They're, they're, they have really a lot of NHL stars, mm-hmm. but we haven't they're- had... A lot of energy stars going through our system, like yeah. Boris Salming. He, he yep. played here before before he came to, to Canada. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Backstrom and so on and so forth. Uh, we have a good tradition here of, of ice hockey, and it's it's a challenge for me. Like I I'm a kids coach as well as training myself. Oh wow! Yeah, so for me it's a challenge like to compete with with, with ice hockey because they, they they have so much more like a more well-built out system of course they have more money they have more people to, to train but also the uh, the goal in hockey is to play at the at nhl and it's a lot of money and it's a lot of fame and it's a lot easier in my opinion for them to attract talent than it is for me like what what, what are the upsides of, of doing encryption <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't get money you, you you get less money <laughs> you don't get famous you don't get money uh, any, any of these followers on instagram anything you just do it for for fun and for your own enjoyment mm-hmm. it's Very difficult to to motivate kids but i i find found a few in my town now that i I'm, i really believe in and we have a good team going on and yeah so but it's difficult it's really difficult especially when we have such strong tradition of ice hockey yeah and then bandy too which is like kind of yeah. like ice hockey yeah bandy yeah. is like that's a really great one to really develop the hand-eye coordination. They say it's so. That's that's what I love. And uh, also, yeah. also, we we have a lot of tradition in in, in bandy here here in in my region. Like where I work, it's maybe thirty minutes away from here. Uh, we have one of the best bandy teams in all of Sweden, and we have developed a lot a lot of mm-hmm. people from there. So we have a good sports tradition where I'm from. Definitely. Nice. That's amazing. There's. So, and then I would take it back to Kyokushin. So you trained, you compete. And now what is your, um, what is your, how do you prepare for a competition? Because everybody's so different. Yeah, it's a good question. And uh, I had the camp 
last week mm-hmm. uh, with people from Austria and Belgium and mm-hmm. so on. And I had a great long discussion with uh, a guy called Serge Slomian from Austria. And we talked about this. And for me, it's a lot about doing less. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, I think it was Einstein who said, like, do it as simple as possible, but not simpler or something like this. And this is really my philosophy. I try to to base it on the pillars of, of, of training, you know, specificity, overload, very uh, uh, principle of deloading de- and everything like this. I try, try to make those like specific principles and try to adapt them to Kyokushin. So in a perfect world, like if you would train for Kyokushin, you would do it as specifically as possible. You would do hard sparring and you will do mm-hmm. it every day and you'll do it like until you pass out and you will get success. In reality, it's not like this, right? <laughs> we cannot do sparring every day. We cannot do it hard every day. We have to have some sort of uh, idea and some sort of periodization and some sort of, yeah. So what what we do is that it's very simple. We we do like, do you know the constraint-based approach? Not really. No? So instead of, I, I, I I, I, I say I never teach combinations, but that's not true. I, t- I teach combinations to the kids, but to the older, like from 14, 15 and so on, I basically never teach combinations. I never teach someone to do one, two, three, or left, right, and then a low kick or something like this. I, I try to, to, to uh, do sparring scenarios where I constrain some things. So maybe, maybe I constrain the, the size of the tummy. I, I do it a small tatami and uh, when it's a small tatami uh, they will be closer to each other and it will evoke a, a certain kind of solutions like I, I, I see fighting as a solution based problem you know you, ha- you have an opponent in front of you that has their own style and their own strengths and weaknesses and you have to solve this problem using your own strengths and weaknesses so if you want to train to, to fight closely, I don't t- tell them to fight closely directly. I just give them the problem and the, they find the solutions to this. And how, how I construct the problem is how, how they will find the solution. So if it's close, as it's a small tatami, they will find solutions in close combat. Mm-hmm. If it's a big tatami, they maybe will, they will do more in, in and out. Maybe I constraint, like we have a, one of my favorite uh, exercises, it's, I like to call it the golden bullet. So have you played like Call of Duty or anything? Of course. Yeah. There, there's like a, a mod where you only have one bullet, you know, and you when you kill someone, you get another bullet. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with this? Yeah, it's on the online multiplayer. My brother had the golden bullet. Yeah. yeah. yeah he yeah, used to yeah. play COD. I only played the story mode. I'm, I'm a JRP. <laughs> when it comes to gaming, I am a JRPG. I like a good story. I can't do. Like yeah. for me, I play uh, JRPGs and Metal Gear Solid. Shout out to Hideo Kojima. But yeah, I know what you're talking about, the golden yeah. bullet. Yeah. So... In, in this sparring exercise, uh, we don't have a constraint on, on the field of play. So it's uh, the tatami is as big as the, as the room, but we have the, the constraint on how many techniques you can do. You can only do one technique. Mm-hmm. So they're moving against each other and you can only do one technique. But if you hit your technique, you automatically reload like in the game. So if you kill someone, you automatically reload. But this, this uh, forces you to be... Uh, constraint and you, you can't just punch and kick and go all, be crazy you have to really think when you fight so you move you move against each other both people can attack but you want to be successful in your attack you don't want to attack and maybe they block it or they move away you have to try to really hit them because then you can hit again you understand mm-hmm. so in, the, in this scenario we train how to get in on your opponent so instead of me saying, okay, t- today we're going to work at getting in a- at our opponent, everyone do low kick from long distance. It's not how I do it. In this case, I would say, okay, we, we will fight golden bullet style and you will only be able to attack the legs. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I propose the question and they come up with the answer. I don't give them the answer. Like, like giving someone a combination, it's like, like teaching someone the, uh, the uh, multiplication table and, and instead of giving them five times five, you just say, say ten, 25, five times, 25, 25, 25. You're not learning five times five. You're just yeah. getting the answer. And so, so I propose the question in my exercise and they, they find out the answer. And this answer may not be the answer I'm, I'm looking for. They may be having another answer to this question. And this is really interesting because 
if you think about like Valle Dimitrov, like arguably the best karateka of our generation, he 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 saw the problem of the low kick in a totally different way than everybody else. You had Hajime Kasumi, who was like the forefather of punch punch low kick. He was like the best, in my opinion, of all time at this. And then Dimitro came and he turned it upside down. He 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 chose the heel, like the kakato to, to the to the thigh. He he found a new answer to 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 this problem. You understand? And this is what I want to find. I want I want to give the kids the opportunity to be creative, to the opportunity to, to find new solutions and, and maybe doing something that's unorthodox because it works for them. And they, they get immediate feedback if, if the exercise is not fixed. Like if we're doing the golden bullet exercise, we're only doing to the legs. If they try like the Dimitro kick, you know, and the opponent blocks or moves away, they get immediate feedback. Okay, this was not good kick. But maybe it works, and they do the, their their newfound technique, and they, it works. Mm -hmm. And they think, "Oh, I'm pretty good. I, I found a new technique." And they do it against this partner, and then we change partner, and we just keep the same exercise, and they can try it again. And does it work again, or is it because I'm fighting a bigger opponent, and this technique I found out now it, it doesn't work against this point? I have to do it in another way, or maybe the technique itself is not good at at all. It's just mm -hmm. that it worked against this opponent at this time because of these these constraints. So that's, that's how I try to teach technique and try to teach how to fight. So it's not a, a, a system. It, it, I have a system of, of basic techniques that I teach everyone, like the straight punch, the uppercut, the, the hook, low kicks, and so on. And I try to teach basic footwork and basic positioning and how to do a stand in a fighting stance. Mm -hmm. But I never give them the solutions. They have to, like, it's an art. It's martial arts. You have to find your own solutions. You have to find your own way. How, how does I, how do I fight? Mm -hmm. It's not about how I want to fight or how the Russians fight or how the Georgians fight or how anyone fights. It's just about you solving the problem in front of you, the fighter in front of you, with the capabilities you have. Mm -hmm. And if we return to the original question, like, how, how do we prepare for tournaments? It's very simple. We, 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 we let them develop their own style, their own system. And on top of this, or in the bottom, I, I develop their conditioning, like their aerobic conditioning. It's like the pillar of my system, aerobic conditioning, and maximum strength and power. So mm -hmm. we use traditional like weight exercise, squats, bench press, power cleans, uh, push Kettlebells? Uh, some, sometimes, but not too much. It's mostly... Get the best I use with the, with the younger kids, but mm -hmm. as, as they develop the strength, I, I find it hard to load it properly. I think the barbell is much easier to load properly and, and really keep overloading because you can only overload so much with the kettlebells you have. If you have 170 kilos of weights, you can really be elaborate and be specific. So we do strength training really basic, like this, there's no secrets, it's squats, bench press, yeah, like I said. And then we develop aerobic conditioning. And this is the body's capability of, of producing energy with oxygen. Yeah? And we develop this to a really high level. And then in, in the preparatory phase before competition, we develop this into more of an anaerobic. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the, these two types of anaerobic systems. There's the creatine phosphate system and the glycolytic system. And uh, in Kyokushin, we mostly use the uh, uh, creatine phosphate system. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, uh, no, it's not the point. <laughs> the point is we're, we're developing the aerobic capacities and then we're turning it into the specific uh, fight-like timing aspect of it. So mm -hmm. like a fight is generally between two and six to nine minutes. Yeah. And uh, if you look at, like, I, I try to draw inspirations from other sports because I think our sport is so underdeveloped that uh, it's stupid to look at, at, at our own sport and try to look outside the box. And for me, in the last two years, I've, I've looked a lot at different sports. I, like, I'm a real nerd. I, I, I follow marathon running. I follow triathlon. I follow weightlifting. I follow, I follow a lot of judo. I follow a lot of sports. And the one thing I, I, I really... Like one system I really try to adopt, Kyukshin is, uh, you know, the Ingebrigtsen brothers, who is their middle distance runners? Mm -hmm. yeah, and they, they have a special system where 
they do it basically like I do, they build their aerobic capacity and closer to racing, they build the race specific capacity, but in between there, they, they do something called threshold training. So they try to increase both the aerobic and anaerobic threshold. So how much work you can do, for the example, the anaerobic threshold. When you, when you do work, uh, you, you, you produce lactic acid, like if you do hard, hard training, you produce lactic acid. And if your VO2 max is here and already here, you start to produce lactic acid, you will not be able to sustain this tempo for a long time. So for instance, in a fight, if I'm fighting someone and this is my maximum, but I can only use this much before I start accumulating lactic acid and fatigue, I, I, we try to build this, this uh, how uh, the level of, of this component closer mm -hmm. to our ceiling. We try to raise uh, the floor, so to speak. So we, tr so we have our general preparation period where we build our aerobic base and it's the longest period and it's the most developed period. And then we have a few weeks where we try to uh, uh, raise, raise our anaerobic threshold. And then we have a few weeks before the competition where we specifically just to uh, mm -hmm. try to do it as uh, fight tempo. We, we mm -hmm. do everything in fight tempo and everything in, in a specific uh, time domain, like the time domain we're fighting in. So this is our, our, our conditioning system. It's very, very basic. It's, it's basically like a normal periodization that any conditioning sport does. And then we have the same normal periodization for strength training. We have a max strength phase, we have a power phase, and we have a speed phase. And this is like also very, very simple. We just build maximum strength. We try to convert it into power, which is strength times speed. And then we try to uh, develop maximum speed because our, if you know the force velocity curve, you have maximum force, you have maximum velocity, you produce maximum force at a slow velocity and you produce maximum velocity at a low force, right? Mm -hmm. And you try to make this curve go to the right. So you want to be able to produce more force at a high velocity because this is punching and this is kicking. You're high velocity, you're unloaded, but you want to be able to do it with high force. Mm -hmm. So this is how we, how we, how we think about uh, our strength training. So we have two different systems. We have the conditioning system, we're aerobic base, threshold specific. We have the strength, maximum strength, power, speed. And all of this accumulates to the big, big goal, the big tournaments, the world championship, the European championships. I don't care about any tournament if it's not called championship in the end. If it's not world, European or Swedish championship, I tell my students, I don't care. This is training. It is competition training. Like next week, we will fight in Belgium for the AFK Belgium Championships. We have a team of four people. Everything we're doing is we're testing things before the World Championships. Mm -hmm. It's the only goal. Like, of course, I want to win. Of course, all my fighters want to win. But it's not important. The only thing that matters is this is like a, a dry run of, of, of World Championship. How, how do we wake up? What do we eat? How do we weigh in? How do we warm up? Uh, what tactics do we have? How do we do in between fights? How do we do after fights? Everything, it should be like the World Championships. We should, should prepare so that when we come to the World Championships in Valencia in, what is it, two, two months' time, six weeks, something like this, uh, we will be as prepared as possible and we will know how we will do it. And now we were like a team that's pretty experienced and all, all, the, all of my students that are coming to this tournament, they have, a, they have like a system already. But we're going through it. And we, you can never rest on your laurels. So you, you can never mm -hmm. be certain of that you, 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 you know everything because you've done it before. You have mm -hmm. to always repeat it, always do the simple things. Like how do you eat? What do you drink before competition? How do you warm up? Can we fine tune this, this so that you get a better result? Like, do you choose to wear hot clothes, like after the warm up, or do you think you get too hot so you, that you cannot perform? Do you, how do we do this? Because in Valencia it will be hot. We know this. It's Spain <laughs> in June. <laughs> of course it will be hot. You have to think about this. We have to try different tactics now, five, six weeks before, and not at the tournament because this is one of the three big ones: Swedish, European, and World Championships. And if it's a world championship, there's only one thing that counts. Mm -hmm. results. This is not a commercial sport. You're, you're not doing this for fame or fortune or anything. You're doing it for results and for your own well-being. And if it's named a championship, it's, it's, it's the most important thing.
And especially for me, that's older. Like I'm, I'm 26 right now. For me, this is my peak. I have to collect, just collect tournaments. Mm-hmm. European, Swedish, world, just try to collect as many medals as possible. It's very methodical, the approach you have. And it's like, it's a very, it's like a fat, it's like a clockwork like approach because and now it's different from my school because the way my school, Xi'an Pierre Cataford does it in Boosterville is when we're preparing for a tournament, he doesn't just throw you in a tournament and say, okay, you're going to represent my school because he's also looking at the long-term health. And that's another thing too, I get from you. You want to look at the long-term health of your, of your fighters. You don't want him to go into a tournament falsely prepare them and then they get hurt and then they they don't come back because they feel like oh i got an injury so what pierre does what Xi'an pierre does is he's gonna assess your technique first so he says come to the technique classes on mondays and wednesdays and saturdays once you get assessed so i'm looking i'm i'm looking at as a white belt now remember keep in mind i was a green belt when i was under when i was in my last school which was uh, under a midori organization which was cool, but I didn't really earn my blue green belt. I just wanted to get it and then take a break. But when I came back, I said, I'm coming back as a white belt. I don't want my green belt until you assess me properly because every org has their philosophy of how you get your belt. So what Pierre does is I said to take it back to what he does is I go to the technique classes on Monday, Wednesday, Saturdays. Once I get reassessed, then we're going to start. He's like, you're going to come in. You're going to start working on your speed so you can see how you can block, how you can get in, get out. Like what you said with the compression approach, like if it's a small tatami. So that's the key. And then eventually we work on pa- we work on combining your power, your explosiveness with your speed. And then as you get better, we're going to see which tournament is worth putting you in. So that's what I like about him. He's not letting you pick the tournament because a real teacher is looking out for your, your long-term health. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, this is uh, like, of course we do it this way as well. Like, uh, like, uh, the girls, like I, now it's me, it's a girl named Agnes, a girl named Amber, and a girl named Mette who's, who's competing in, in Belgium. And this is like our, our main competitors in IFK Sweden. Like for me, you know me and Agnes, I'm guessing you maybe know her, Agnes Vestrin. She placed third at the World Championships in KW. She was third now at European Championship in Varna. Like in my opinion, like maybe I shouldn't say this in public, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. Like. I have some sort of chance of winning the world championships. Like, of course. You have to have that belief. It's okay. Yeah, you have but, to have it. Yeah. But I came second last time and I've proven myself. I improved since then. And I think I have a good chance. But there's nothing compared to Agnes. Like Agnes, like for my, my, I have looked at the competitors entering. And it, as long as Agnes is prepared here, she will win. 100%. Mm-hmm. Bet the house. <laughs> okay. And then we have Amber. She she she's won European Championships in WKB. She's placed in like KW Junior Championships and everything. She's also huge experience. She's really really good, and I think she has a good great chance at medals in, in mm-hmm. IFK Valencia. And then we have Mette, last person, who's uh, just like officially joined our team a few months ago, and. Uh, is up in the up and coming, uh, not up and coming. She's a little bit older, but she's been through a lot of different schools. She's been a lot different dojos. She's a wealth of experience, and now it's just about uh, taking all that experience and trying to produce a result, like in a, in, a, in, a, in a stable system. I think what she needs is really just have a system and an idea, and she will get so much more out of her fighting. Mm-hmm. So these are like senior level fighters, but except Mette, who's come from a dojo, all my fighters, I developed them from young age, like Agnes and Amber. And all the fights I'm getting up right now, we have a very simple system. Like we, we start with national tournaments and I'm pretty, like I know people in Sweden, it's, for them it's like, oh, you're competing, it's so dangerous, blah, blah, blah. But these are kids, like they're seven years old, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Like they have a vest on, they have gloves, helmet, anything. They cannot get hurt. Like in Sweden, you can't even touch the head with a, uh, with a moshigiri until you're 12 years old. Like just let them fight. <laughs> it's my opinion. If they train consistently, they can fight in this young age because like two, have you seen two seven-year-old fights? Two seven-year-old fights? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some kids fights, yeah. Yeah, and they're with, in Sweden, they have vests and they have helmets and they have everything. It's impossible. Like there's seven, <laughs> they just go and they almost hug each other for one and a half minute, and they are finished. 
But if we, if we get this experience at a young age, when they turn 14, 15, puberty hits, they, they start to develop strength, everything, it's not scary to fight. Like the, if for them, they have, they have fought since they were seven, like, and it doesn't count, it's just experience. And then when they're 14 or 15 or whenever, and they start competing more internationally at championships and everything, they have this wealth of experience of just competing. And this is not the big deal. The big deal is preparing, you know? Like if you, if, if you hinder your fighters and you don't let them fight when they're young, you, you, you're, you're waiting like, oh, they have to be so, so good that they have to do this, they have to have a yellow belt or whatever you have, whatever criteria you have. When they turn 14, 15, you think, now they're ready. And you just say, okay, let's go to this tournament, maybe nationally or internationally. And they, they don't even know how to compete. <laughs> they don't know the basics, like how, how to wake up, how to eat, eat breakfast, like, like the things I discussed earlier like the most simple, simplest things of competing. And this will destroy their, their ability to compete because all of these things will take their mind. And the only thing they really should care about at that age is to fight. Like everything mm. else, it should, should have their, their, their procedure. It should be somewhat standardized already and before they start to compete at the big championships. Mm. So, yeah, I, for kids, I'm, I'm pretty liberal, especially small tournaments in Sweden. And then as, as the ranking goes up, as it goes bigger, bigger tournaments, I'm more and more restrictive mm. of who gets to fight. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's smart. That's that's Pierre's approach too. Like I had a, I mean, I had some offers already to, to go into tournaments because people thought I was independent still. Because before when I was, when I started the Drew Spearance, I wasn't with any organization. But like, I just want to make it clear, like, and I'm saying this politely. I love how everyone's messaging me. I love the offers, but listen, Guys, not you, Jonas. I'm with an organization since November 20, 2020. I always think it's 2019 still. I've been with an organization since November 2021. It's IKO Nakamura. If you want to invite me to any tournament, please fly it by my Xi'an. You guys know, everyone knows the drill. If you want me to participate, it's up to him. My development is with him. It's not with me because I care about my long-term health. And I think, and I think that's, I think you and him share a kind of that approach because you're restrictive. You said like, if someone says, Hey, I want Agnes, let's say, let's say it's Amber. I want Amber to fight in this tournament. Uh, Jonas, can you do it? You're going to look at it and you're looking out for Amber's long-term ambitions and health. And I think that's what makes a good teacher. Yeah. And uh, like, you have to understand that becoming world champion in like a, like a, big organization like a, a well-developed organization it's not something you do overnight no like for me for instance i i've competed now like since i was seven i started competing but like since i was 14 like dedicated really training two times a day something like this and i'm 26 right now and i'm still chasing my first world world tournament goal mm. like it's i i've competed so much all over the world and I'm still waiting, <laughs> waiting, I'm, I'm, I'm chasing this gold, you know, and the, you have to have this realization, like, like Agnes, for example, she's 20, 21. Like if she wins now, it would be amazing, but it's, it's not her pr prime. Like her prime will be when she's 23 to and onwards, 25, like women mature earlier, so maybe 23, but anyway, her, her prime is not even close and she's already at that level. Like, um, you have to have patience, you have to have an, a long-term approach, but at the same time, try to uh, challenge your fighters in a, in a reasonable way. Like, we have different tiers. In my head, I have different tiers of the organizations and, and, and the status and how, how the competition is. Like, in Europe, we're blessed with having so many organizations, so many tournaments and everything. So we, we can really develop our fighters. Like, okay, now we go into this tournament in country and you fight here and we'll see okay now that you did well there now you go to Y country and you fight these kind of people and so on and so forth so so you have to have a system you have to have an idea and you have to have a long-term approach it's crucial like you, you will never develop anyone if you think that they will become world champion in three years mm -hmm. like it's it's impossible <laughs> it takes a lifetime like like for example my cornerman Mohammed everybody like not everybody a majority like want you know to know and you know like you know want to fight him and you know but then they say but the thing is 
There's never going to be another Mohammed Sheikh. It's like you have to create your own greatness. And, you know, that's because of the timing, too. Sometimes you compete in an era where Mohammed, for those who know, like he was IKO before he went independent. Um, he was IKO one North America's uh, best. He was known as uh, the Young Mountain, the Canadian Rocket, the Canadian Ace. He fought guys like Alejandro Navarro. He fought uh, Antonio uh, too. So even though he lost to Antonio, like it's, but he was winning, but just Antonio caught him that day. But that, that was a Muhammad that wasn't really like his, he was that he had other focuses at that point. And that's the thing that happens, but he, he just fought so much. And, um, he also fought, uh, he, he fought the who's who and, um, no, it's just like, you know, it takes years and sometimes just the timing, the, the timing is everything of when you decide to, and who's there and how you make your greatness. It's it's it, it's it's special. Like like now with the current situation in the world, it's it's special. Like to to fight at the world, especially IFK World Tournament, where like Russia is by far by far it's not even close the best nation. They are, yeah. You guys have uh, you guys have so much talent in IFK Russia. It's insane. Like I just keep seeing it's like a factory. It's like it's like that T fifty. I'm going to use this expression respectfully because I love Russian history too, because I took Russian history. It's like they have a T-57 tank factory and they're just putting out all these tanks, whether it's female and ma Russian males. It's like, what are you doing? Like, Jesus. Like I, I, I train a lot in Russia and it's, I think, first of all, it's the mentality. Mm -hmm. Like people, people talk like, like, do I do I think all all people from Russia are 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 clean? They're not on steroids, of course not. Like there there are people that cheat in Russia. I I guarantee. But the, do the vast majority do it? I don't believe so. Like for instance, my, my one of my closest friends in life, general, not only Kyukshin, not anything, Alexander Drost. Do you know him? He's KW world champion two times. He's uh, he's uh, like one of the best of our generation, in my opinion. Like. Mm -hmm. Maybe he didn't get his due, like when he fought uh, Eriki Kembo in uh, in Chikuchin World Championships, like on the first day. In my opinion, he won this fight. I think everyone that's a fan of Kyukshin, they should go and try to watch this fight. I don't know if Shin Kyukshin has posted just this fight, or you have to watch the whole translation. Anyway, you should watch this fight. It's like one of the best fights in the last five years. Anyhow, uh, I can say with 100% certainty that he's not on steroids. He's not a cheater. And people say like, oh, he's, he's superhuman. Like, Eriki Kembo just beat him and he didn't make a scratch on him. And he's like 77 kilos and Eriki is like 90, 100. And he can just stand there and punch. He has to be on steroids. Like, no, I'm telling you. Their, their attitude is different. Their mentality is different. Their training is different. Like, you don't know what hard sparring is because until you've been to Russia. Like, what... I remember the first time I came to Russia, I was 19 years old. We were out in the, like an old military base where we trained, we trained on the, in the outside. Every training was outside on a little like, grass field with a running track around it. And I remember how scared I was when, when Dimitri Savelyev, our coach, he said, join us. You know, this time it's fight to win. It's, it's fight sparring, like it's match sparring. It's, it's, it's maximum sparring. He said, like, I knew that it's, it's like fight. It, it's not in, in, in Sweden or in Western countries when you say, oh, now we go hard. Like you go hard and you, it's, it's, it's maybe 80, 90%. It's not fight hard. Like mm -hmm. if you're in a fight, if it's like a tournament, it's not this hard. And the Russians, they do it. Like if, if this is tournament hard, the training is 110% of that. Like mm -hmm. they really go hard when it's hard. Like they, 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 they are smart. Like they know sports science. Like mm -hmm. Dimitri, Dimitri, my coach, he works at the university as a sports teacher. Like at the university level, he's a sport teacher. He's highly educated within sports science. Like he knows this shit. But anyway, they periodize this training and they, when they do horse sparring, it's truly horse sparring. It's not like Westerners think it's horse sparring. It's horse sparring. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah. this teaches them. And also, they have the mentality of the of the Russian people. Like, we we are the best. Like, they have a different mentality than than us us Westerners. And it, all this combined, 
Princeton and also their, their success. Like you build on success. Success breeds success. Like in this town, we have a, a, a hockey team uh, that has produced a lot of NHL stars. And one of the famous coaches of this team, is his name is Tommy Sandlin. I have a book of his right here. And he, he, he talks about success brings success. Like he was the coach of Barry Salming and all of these guys. And they won a Swedish championship of the Swedish championship of the Swedish championship. And he said, success breeds success. Like if, if, if you come as an 18 year old in this team and you see that all of these players, they are the best in the world, they're best in Sweden. And, they, uh, and, and you, you're in this system. You know that what we're doing here will produce these results. Like you know it. Mm-hmm. just this confidence like in, if you're in Russia you know that if I win the Russian championships it's more difficult to win the Russian championships than it is to win the world championships really mm-hmm. it is like if you were IFK Russia champion it's more difficult than winning IFK world championship in my opinion mm-hmm. also another success of Russian people that's not uh, has anything to do with steroids is their cooperation like yeah. they had the APR the all cooks in Russia they're, they're all fighting together. They, they, it's even though IKO maybe not always brings the best fighter, but it's IKO, Shin, Khan, IFK, you name it. They're, they're, they're fighting together and they're, they're producing like and have honest tournaments. It's not no bullshit. Like, sure, sure, it's politics and sure, it's people backstabbing each other like it's in all organizations, but the sport itself, it's honest and they're honest, be competing against each other and they're bringing, and the best man is winning. Mm-hmm. And it's also a success story. Like, we cannot be isolated in islands in, in our different uh, organizations and different uh, countries. If you look at Poland, for example, Poland used to be like the one of the biggest nations in the world in Kyushin in the 90s, especially before uh, Sosai died. And they, they kept this tradition of working together, even though it's not maybe as developed as in Russia, but they still work together. And there's so many good Polish fighters. Like they, they have good fighters in Shin, they have good fighters in IKO, they have good fighters in WKB, they have good fighters in, yeah, you, you name it. And this is because they have United Championship of Poland, in my opinion. And they have different small tournaments locally where different people fight each other. Yeah, one of, yeah. yeah it's, fu- it's funny you mentioned Poland because we have one in, in our organization that's named Sensei American Chicago. And um, are you familiar with the tournament in North America called Ring Wars? It's always in Rochester, yeah. New York. So I, I, I was invited to this tournament just before the, the pandemic. Yeah, Rene Cruz. Yeah, she and Rene Cruz. So she and Rene Cruz, like, um, like when I mentioned my organization, he was like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I know them. Like, and it's like, because he knows how good they are, because the Polish team always goes into ring wars and wipes it clean. Like, like Marek just goes in there like an assassin and wipes ring wars clean. And it, it's good because it gives our organization like bet like like attention that say hey we're really good but it kind of doesn't look it's like i'm gonna i just think you know when when you start claiming you have guys that can stand with uh, with another with a specific organization it's good for showmanship but it kind of hurts you if it doesn't come to fruition because at the end of the day you want to say i have these guys that could do damage but let's but the best approach to say is Let's see how they do in the tatami with this organization's guy. And at the end of the day, everybody wins instead of having a showmanship approach because being a showman can take you far, but it can bite you in the ass in the long run. Yeah. yeah it's uh, for me, like the, the, the KW slogan, like time to be united. It's a little bit, you know, it's, little, it's, it's, it's cheeky. Like it's, but it's a good slogan. Really, it is it's a good slogan. Like we, we we should really be united. Like I, for me, like being in the younger generation, like I get frustrated really about this. Like mm-hmm. truly frustrated that 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 we cannot like just compete together. Like I I get it. You have your system of grading. You have your dance. You have your brand chiefs. You have everything like money and all of these things. Like sure, I get it. I get it. like this is your livelihood, but. Like, do you know who Ashot Sarinian is in IKO? Ashot Sarinian, he's from Moscow. He's an IKO fighter. He, he, he's a small guy. He, he, he's done well in, in, in the Open World Tournament in IKO. Anyway, and uh, do you know who Artyom Nazaretian is? Oh, yeah. Arthur is one of my... I've been... Shout out to Arthur, man. He's... 
He's one of the best lightweights in the world, regardless of organization. You cannot know who Arthur is. And if you like, and if you, and if I don't know anyone that said a bad thing about Arthur, Arthur is legit as there is. Put organizations aside, he is of the best lightweights right now. Yeah, you, you mean Arthur Krimov or Artyom Nasretian? Uh, Arthur Arushian. Uh, Arushanian, yeah, he, he, he's from Armenia, yeah. Okay, I got confused because it sounds like, because we're talking yeah. about Russians and I thought you yeah. that's who you're talking about, but yeah, but, yeah no, who's the, guy, who's the guy you're talking about? Uh, Nasretian, he's from Moscow, uh, uh, Kaiman, IFK. Mm-hmm. He, he's won IFK World Tournaments two times, I think, now in London and in, in Romania. And he's won KW World Championship. Maybe it's not one KW World Championship. Yeah, he won now in in Sultan, Yeah, but he came in Sofia. He came second, and in uh, in Yekaterinburg, I don't think he was there. Beliaev won against him. Anyway, <laughs> like I said before, I'm a nerd with this this stuff. <laughs> anyway, like to not see a fight between Ashot Sarnian and Artyom Nasretian, in my opinion, the two best middleweights ever, ever point blank and not seeing a fight between them just because of organizations they live in the same town <laughs> they both live in moscow and they cannot fight each other like it's horrendous is it, it like this is the biggest roadblock this sport has to has to pass like to be able to be a, a real sport like a international sport like a true sport we have to be able to cooperate we have to have like we have to have one cha- world championship we have to have one european championships like not working towards this goal and not like trying to get this aim. It's like, I, I get it. People are, are doing the JFKO World Full Contact Karate Organization. They're doing the KW, they're doing this and they're doing that. But just, I don't get it. Like, I, of course, I'm not a Shian. I'm not, I haven't been in this sport for that long. I'm not familiar with all the bad blood between different people and everything, but... Mm. Just get it done, please. Like, yeah. if, if, if there's someone watching with a lot of golden stripes on their belts, please, please, <laughs> just try to get this done. <laughs> that's that's my goal too. Like, because my goal with the show is like, even with because RKO Nakamura wants to cooperate. We do. We are growing. We are. We do. And people say no, Nakamura's their small time. Like, hey, so I'm not gonna say who, but this one she answered, yeah, you guys are small time, and I took that as an insult because it's like, bro. It's like, and that's when I said I didn't address him as a Shian. I said, okay, you want to do that? I said, that's a very dumb thing to say. It's arrogant. Small time. We're growing fast. But just because we're small, it doesn't mean we don't have quality. And I put him in his place. And I said that, like, and I said, like, you're going to respect the the fact of who we are. I said, that is a very unshian like thing to do. And then I say, and I had to stick up because it was, um, it was, it was just, arrogant and at the end of the day like if i want to talk to you and if we can find a way to help each other grow then great that's a win for everybody my goal like i'm sure you saw my announcement where i said i'm working with marshall way krt uh terry burkett shian terry sorry terry shian terry i should have said shian but i said it there uh kyokushin shuffle one kyokushin we're all just trying to work together to help bridge to bridge everybody together we don't care about politics we don't care about what's happened in the past this is 2022 Okay, when Hanshi died, Hanshi Arniel, there was a moment where everybody came together. So why can't we have that? Why? But we failed. I think we all failed, like to take an opportunity of that moment to all unite as what Hanshi and Sosai wanted. So now that's my goal, whereas like when I got the the guys together and like and they're all my friends, you know, I love them. We've decided to work together. It's going to be slow. It's a process. I do need to make that very clear. But we're putting the gears in motion to make sure the bar is raised and and break those walls down so everyone cooperates. And I agree with you. It's time to bridge the differences. Like, for example, you probably saw my episode with Judd, Shian Judd Reed. After that conversation, Shian Judd added my Shian because, and that, and what does that tell you? That means that a bridge was formed, basically. Yeah. And the, like for me, I, I don't care about what's your organization. Same here. I care about who, who are you? Mm-hmm. How do you behave and how, how, how do you act? You know? And it's, it's, it should be the only metric we, we, we account people on. Like, how are you as a person? It's a basic. <laughs> like, doesn't you know, other things. You just judge a pe- person by how they are. It's easy. And, uh, like, I, 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 like, before when you asked me to do this interview, like, sh- should I ask, oh, what organization are you? Like, 
are you are you serious right now like it's it's, it's crazy like people may behave like this like you, you you can't talk to people they share the same interest like like kyokushin is such a small sport in the big picture of it like kyokushin is really small <laughs> like if you compare it to like ice hockey for example it's small <laughs> you know and and we, we're such a niche community like karate is this and kyokushin is this you know and we still have to fight about oh you're this or you're that or you're who cares like we're doing this sport this small little sport we all share the same idea like society started this idea and we share this idea sure we have some small difference says maybe in kata or maybe in how we grade or maybe but it's like similar like even the difference between ikeo rules and maybe like shin rules where they can sweep and the wasari and who cares it's still full contact it doesn't matter like we don't have to argue about this stuff just come together and realize we share the same interest just be friends just be happy just mm-hmm. try to live your life like like be happy i don't understand this i really I don't understand L- this. life is short because it goes by fast like it goes by fast so just be happy look at the kanji you know that's 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 what you all you have to do doesn't matter if it's under this guy's name or that woman's name just 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 come together it's like it's time it's we live in the internet age where everyone's globally connected just break the barrier down like it's like even me like i'm gonna talk to iko guys like uh, like for example i love andre Cherkinov of uh, god hand dojo what he and lasha are doing is amazing and you know like they are like like they have such a um they have such like a factory going of killers like kids Like they're and Mac, Mad Max and Mad Max dojos, but I feel Lasha and uh, Andre, like Mad Max Dedic is still one of the best, but I just think Lasha and Andre have found a system where they're just going to churn out all these killers in Russia. Yeah. Yeah. It's going back to Russia. They, they have a, a totally different yeah. system. It's so much easier, in my opinion, for them to develop people. It's so true. Last question. Um, actually, a yeah, second to last question. So, obviously, you know KRT. You know that they they were the ones that helped facilitate this. What do you want to say about how they've done in terms of helping grow Kyokushin uh, and taking the advantage of the pandemic to just help bridge everybody together? Like we, we just discussed this about good mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Depending, on, like both Wesley and, and Darren, like they're within the IFK, so we're the same organization. But for me, it doesn't matter. Like how they act as people it's what i base mm-hmm. it on and they they have a true passion for kitchen mm-hmm. you can see this like to to have these online meetings for people that during the pandemic that don't have a dojo to go to and have like truly some of the best teachers in the world giving lessons on zoom like did they have a passion they have a have a, a drive and this is what we need in the sport we need people to have a drive to have a passion and they want to share it and it's not any bullshit it's just training it's just being a, a good person it's just it's, it's so, so, such sim- simple things that people have lost during the way but it, like i'm happy that they are the new part of the new generation like they're part of even though they're older than me they're part of my generation the next generation to come and with people like this i think we will have a great future like you just watching how, how Wesley is, is conducting different trainings in Holland or in the Netherlands, you should say the Netherlands, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> like right now and connecting people and how he's developing the, their team. And like, and, and, and Darren, I, I remember like he, he's also so, so, so good and so humble and so easy to work with. It's just, yeah, they're two good people. And they spread Kyokushin and that's all that matters for me. Mm-hmm. Good people is most important. And, Spreading Kibushin is just a bonus. Yep. Yeah, they do an amazing job. Like them, Scott, Shian Terry, uh, Sammy from One Kyokushin. Like that's, uh, they, they do such a great job. And they're, they're, it's only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, and I just feel as time goes on, I think slowly, slowly those walls, we have like our version of the Berlin Wall. Like we're trying to break it down. It's going to come down. Like it's like those differences are going to like secede and we're going to see an era where there's just mass cooperation. And yeah, and then... And as you said, you want that tournament of the best of the best. It's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. I'm very hopeful about it as, as time goes on. Yeah. It's awesome, man. And uh, so 
And that's good. Then now I always like to ask my guests, take it away from uh, karate and, and stuff. So this is a speed question. So when it comes to movie genres, I like to do this. Sometimes I got to do it more, but I freak, I'm, I'm not consistent. So I'm going to ask this James Bond or star Wars for you. Ooh, it's a very difficult question. I, when I was younger, definitely star Wars, but now I'm more James Bond. Okay. More James Bond. Okay. Perfect. And when it comes to, um, anime okay because we all love anime to a degree um would it be for you would it be dragon ball or pokemon dragon ball okay perfect I, also yeah dragon ball yeah <laughs> i i figured yeah yeah there's a yeah there's just, i could ask other animes but there's just so many out there it's like you don't want to i don't want to confuse people all right that's awesome man so Jonas, i really want to thank you for coming on to the drew experience it was such a pleasure to have you finally get a suite on been wanting yeah. to get a suite on for a very long time and we got it to happen and yeah. uh where can people connect with you on social media for like training purposes and whatnot uh, I have my Instagram, Jonas Rosin, and I have my, my Team Rosin Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you can email me at teamrosin1 at gmail.com. Uh, we'll have a camp now in August because I can't go to Russia and, and have a training camp. We will have a training camp here in Sweden. It's from the 5th of August to the 14th, I think. Mm-hmm. We will have a training camp. So if you want to come there and train with us, you're more than welcome. Otherwise, I'm, I'm really bad at social media. <laughs> I'm really bad at posting. I don't post uh, a lot. So, uh, like, if you want to follow me, sure, you can follow me, but don't expect too many pictures and too many things because I'm really <laughs> bad at social media. <laughs> no, it's okay. We're all different at it, but you're doing great, man. So keep up the amazing work. You, you've done a great job with Sweden. It's only going to get better. So you just got to keep on, uh, as they, we just, you just got to keep hammering, as the saying goes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I, I like to thank you for the invitation. Like to me, like this is my biggest passion in life. I, I love discussing these things. You maybe notice I just ramble. I just go on and on and on. So if someone feels like yeah, I speak too fast, it's just because I really enjoy this and I really love the opportunity to talk about it. Because mm-hmm. for me, it's it's so seldom I get to talk to someone that's interested in, in, in this. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I really enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, make sure to hit the like, share, subscribe button to the Drew Spirits and follow Jonas. This show's about him. So make sure to hit the like, share, subscribe to Drew Spirits on all platforms. Episode will be out soon.